You're listening to Farm Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 12, published on November 22nd, 2022. In this episode, we'll be talking to Mike Penningill about instructing in California. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and sit back and relax, because you're listening to the Farm Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Farm Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FDA coverage. And remember, for listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Palm Pepper Spray. Palm has been an innovator in pepper spray technologies for several generations and continues to deliver the best formula in the best delivery system. Palm sells inert, water-filled units for instructors to utilize in training scenarios to help students understand the delivery system and train for those defensive scenarios. Palm is available in belt clip, keychain, and snap quick release systems. Palm is the smallest half-ounce personal carry unit available on the market. Palm's flip-top dispensing system raises the standard for performance and safety with the strongest legal formula in 10 seconds of continuous spray or 20 half-second burst. Learn more and buy your unit at palmpepperspray.com. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, Every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Mike Pettengill from Personal Protection Academy. Welcome, Mike, and thanks for coming on to share your experience with our audience. Hey, Rob, how are you? Uh, good to good to be a part of what's going on here. Good, appreciate it. Um, you reached out to me about this topic, and I thought it'd be really interesting for our listeners to hear what it's like to be an instructor in California. But before we jump into that, can you give us a our listeners, a little bit of who Mike Pettigill is and your background? Sure. Um, so my wife and I are the owners and, and instructors for Personal Protection Academy. Uh, we're a full-time firearms training company located in Murrieta, California. Um, that's about an hour north of San Diego and about an hour and a half southeast of Los Angeles. Uh, we teach classes uh, and private lessons for handguns, rifles, shotguns, uh, we are an FFL, uh, selling guns to our students mostly. Um, we also teach CPR, pepper spray, tactical medicine, home safety, church safety, uh, and a whole lot more. Um, my wife is a, a, a registered nurse uh, before being firearms instructor. Uh, my previous two uh, iterations of professional employment was I worked in the California State Senate for 12 years, and then I worked in full-time Christian ministry for 16 years. And now I'm a full-time firearm, full-time firearms instructor. That's a very varied background, but I'm sure that's probably going to give us good insight in our topic for today. So thanks for being here. Sure. Well, Mike, can you uh, dig in a little bit deeper on all the classes that you uh, teach? Give, give our listeners a little bit about what, what Californians are interested in. So uh, what our biggest chunk of, of clientele is, is um, really probably 90% brand new shooters. And most of those are people who either during BLM or during COVID, they said, hey, you know what, it's it's time to, to purchase a handgun. So they went out and uh, during the time when no one had any guns in their store, they found whatever gun they could find. Uh, they put it in a box and they put the box in their closet and uh, now a couple of years later, they come back to me and say, hey, Mike, I don't know how to put bullets in this thing to make it go bang. Can you help me with that? And so we do we do a lot of uh, 
introductory classes. Uh, then we also uh, we do a lot of courses that we call skill builders, which are trying to get you to the next level. Uh, we uh, teach you how to do one-handed shooting. We teach you how to shoot as a couple, uh, draw draw a firearm from a holster, um, use red dots, shoot from a car, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, what we find mostly uh, that people are interested in is, is really the basics. And they want to go from zero to 100 as quick as possible. And we try to slow them down and get them safe and get them legal and and um and and try to give everyone the the right attitude so that they're getting into the community into the culture into the lifestyle and and not just uh, have a, an extra an extra thing in their life that they're not going to pay attention to mm -hmm. yeah i like and you know getting into guns is kind of you know when you get in your car and leave your house you know most uh, neighborhood streets are like 25 miles an hour. And then you get on the more main streets are 35 miles an hour, maybe 45, but you don't hit, you know, 55, 60 until you get the expressway. And that's where you've got to kind of take your time, uh, you know, because none of us want somebody flying down our, our residential streets doing 65 miles an hour. So it's a, you know, it's a stepped up process where people just got to understand there's certain things that you're going to be going through. And if you don't, if you don't go along doing properly, you're going to end up uh, having problems. Or, yeah, you just, you're, you're going to get folks are going to get themselves or other people hurt. And I get a lot of folks that call up and say, hey, I bought a gun during uh, during BLM and COVID and and uh, I haven't really shot it at all. Uh, it still has a tag on it. Um, I want to get a CCW. Can you uh, tell me how to do that? And, and, and one of the things that I kind of get to slow people down is I say, so let me ask you a couple of questions. One, have you ever drawn a loaded weapon from a holster before? no is that is that important and and i i say well you don't want the first time you pull a loaded weapon from your hip to be the first time you need it, it it's like having a motorcycle in your garage and you and you're saying well i'm going to have that motorcycle there in case there's an emergency and i have to get to the hospital real quick it's just not going to work mm -hmm. yeah definitely that would um that would create problems well you've had some interesting discussions with your students on those uh, you know first basic uh, handgun courses to where you know you ask them about how they transport their guns to class can you uh, explain explain to us about that yeah so um california is everything all of your listeners ever heard about and more um it it, it is really a, it's an anti-gun culture the laws are very anti-gun the people are not we actually have um, we're the third most number of guns purchased every year behind only Texas and Florida. Um, and so a lot of people are interested in guns, but what we're finding is the, the government has intentionally made the laws very convoluted in California. And I'll give you a, an example that uh, basically makes the majority of my students criminals almost every day. Uh, and that's like you're saying, the transporting of, of firearms. So in California, let me give you three classifications, handguns, long guns, and the dreaded assault rifle. So the handgun has to be locked in a case, unloaded, and inaccessible to the driver. So that's in your hatchback or your trunk or if you're in a pickup truck, it's the furthest point away from the driver in the bench seat. Your long guns, doesn't matter. As long as they're unloaded, they can be unlocked. 
you if you're going hunting or you're taking a shotgun to the range or a rifle to the range, you throw it in the in the uh, in the trunk of your car and everything's good. The dreaded assault rifle, which we you and I both know and your listeners know, the difference between a rifle and an assault assault rifle is uh, semantics and legal juggling. Um, but if you have something that's classified as an assault rifle, even if it's unloaded, it has to be locked because Rob, you know, it's an assault rifle and it's a scary black rifle and we have to protect from that. And so I get on a, on a class by class basis, whether it's private lessons or it's, or it's classes, I, I ask my students, okay, how did you get here? And they explain it to me and I say, okay, well, there's six of you in class, four of you just broke the law. And so you have to take a lock and you have to put your unloaded gun in a case. A case is not defined in California. So put it in your gym bag or a plastic box or a metal box or whatever, put a lock around it and put it in the, in the trunk of your car. And now you're legal. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I've been, I've been illegal for years. Yes. That's, that's why the laws are the way they are sometimes. Convoluted mess. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I I think it's part of it, whether it's whether it's for instructors or dealers or 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 gun owners, I think it's it's really it's intended to to not so much keep people safe, but to keep people confused and and not wanting to dive into it. I, I get so many people that that just don't want to dive in because they don't want to be illegal. I would agree. I mean, I much I I value my freedom. So if I can, I do everything I can do to stay out of jail and stay uh, legal from that standpoint. And, um, you know, knowledge is, uh, is critical for there. Wait, Mike, uh, after the Bruin decision, how has that affected the CCW process for you uh, in California? So specifically since the Bruin case in June of this year, um, what you've seen is um, a lot of talk about legislation. There was a lot of scary bills that were going through uh, at the end of the California uh, uh, session, uh, the 2022 session. And a couple of them, literally the, the worst of the worst, missed passing by one vote. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't find one more crazy person to vote for this bill. Um, but the ones that, that have come, on, come into place and and come into law have have been the ghost gun ban and the and and trying to 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 drive off ghost guns um and um have talked about um giving the local sheriffs and the and the um chiefs of police the ability to um, limit people more, which none of those guys really want to do that, right? They they don't want to. The big ones that have passed and, and came into law are um, citizens. So uh, it, this one was modeled after the Texas abortion law. Citizens can, can sue gun manufacturers, distributors, and sellers. So um, uh, uh, Smith & Wesson sell, uh, ships a gun out to Lipsy's, the wholesaler, and, and Lipsy's sells the gun to me because we're an FFL, and I sell the gun to uh, one of my clients, and uh, now an average citizen can can sue Smith & Wesson, Lipsy's, the, the, the distributor, and, and Personal Protection Academy, uh, the seller. Um, and so that it, it specifically was designed to make small FFLs like me 
say, I, I don't know that I want to do this. I, I mean, what happens if someone does something stupid with a gun? Um, another really big one that passed, um, it was moving forward before Bruin, but they rushed it through uh, after Bruin, was um, no firearms advertising to minors. And um, it, it it basically said that any, it, it very intentionally vague, any advertising that could cause a minor to get involved with handguns is illegal. And, and the person can be sued or the company can be sued um, with big civil uh, dollar amounts behind it. So what you had was a lot of instructors intentionally said, Hey, I, I'm just not going to teach. I, if you're over 18, I'm not going to, you're, you're not going to come into any of my classes. Um, and it, it, it caused a lot of companies or not a lot of companies, a lot of shooting organizations that um, had like youth trap um, competitions and so forth to just completely fold and not participate in what was going on in California. It caused me specifically to, it says the, the, the law says no firearm advertising that would, that would attract minors. So every photograph that I, that I used in an advertisement that had someone under the age of 18, I got rid of it because mm -hmm. I'm just not going to be sued. Uh, even though, even though um, kids and, you know, should know gun safety, right. I, I just, I, I'm not going to advertise that kind of thing. And then the other big one that they, that they rushed through uh, after Bruin was um, outlaw outline 3d printing of guns um, and made sure that you, you couldn't uh, do anything like that. Um, the, the big California anti-gun push that, that didn't all go through was the one that missed by one vote was said that you couldn't carry in a sensitive area. So you couldn't, you could have a CCW, that's fine, because the Supreme Court said you could, um, but you can't carry in a sensitive zone. Well, what was a sensitive zone? Pretty much anywhere, right? So you could get your CCW, you just couldn't carry it. And uh, it said, you know, roads adjacent to property and sidewalks adjacent to property that have medical facilities. Well, what's a medical facility? A nail salon. So you couldn't carry on a road there where there was a nail salon or a, a mall that had a nail salon in it, that kind of stuff. That missed by one vote. That's probably going to come back uh, in 2023 and go through. Um, increasing training for CCWs up from a state mandated eight hours to 16. And they even talked about um, going even higher than that, 24 or 32 hours, 32 hours. Um, and adding new subjective standards um, for character. So you couldn't have, you know, you get rid of the old, um, the, the, the just cause um, requirement in your CCWs, but now it said, well, the, the, the sheriff in the city could, um, could, not allow you to have a CCW if your, you know, your Facebook posts or your Instagram posts were offensive, um, or um, you you wrote a bad word on your eighth grade civics test or something, you know, you know, and that just barely missed passing, and that's going to come back around in twenty twenty three. We're we're certain of that. That's um, those are some very interesting things. Again, you know, Bruin, I think you know went in the right direction, but you can see also too how. When the politicians don't get their way, uh, they will uh, figure out multiple ways of doing it, which just means it's going to be a back and forth into the courts, new legislation back into the courts until 
one one or one side or the other give up which uh on the firearm side uh, we can't give any more ground up no we uh one of the things that i tell uh, all of my customers is uh i i hand them a packet of information uh about the classes we offer and about um different things that they they should they should know about gun laws and so forth and one of the things i say is that you have to get involved um with a local gun rights organization, a statewide gun rights organization, and a federal gun rights organization. And so I, I give them documentation on uh, our local one is called Inland, Inland Empire Gun Owners, and it's a great um, Southern California uh, Pro 2A organization. We talk, talk to them about California Rifle and Pistol Association or the California Gun Owners or Gun Owners of California. Uh, we talk to them about the Second Amendment Foundation or the NRA, and we just say, just get involved and and learn about what's going on i even tell there's a couple of youtubers uh and podcasters out there that i i tell my students to listen to i'm like listen to reno may and and arm scholar on youtube because they're going to tell you about all the wacky things going on with california gun laws and listen to the podcast uh gun owners radio uh, because they're a san diego based gun rights organization and they and they talk to you about weekly what's going on with with gun news and 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 I think all gun owners and all firearms instructors need to be conversant in those topics. But California, New Jersey, New York, uh, 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 Illinois is those are just those are states where it's just imperative because our governments are trying to make it so hard for us to enjoy our Second Amendment freedoms. Mm -hmm. well, one one of the classes that is very unique that you do, um, being an FFL and such, is you actually go along and teach your students how to go along and build their own AR-15. Now, for those that haven't kept up with California, it's very difficult to have an AR-15 in California. Can, can you describe the process that you go through in order to for your students to make their own and uh, legally own an AR-15? Yeah. So it's, it's for, for my non-California friends, it's, it's, it's kind of comical. I mean, you guys just go and you put together your, your, you know, your short barrel uh, rifles and you put together your, you know, whatever you want, you put on it. Right. And that's just, that's not how it is in California. They've uh, it's, you know, it's the scary black rifle. It's the, it's the uh, weapon of war. It's, you know, and, and we do, uh, you know, that's, that's what, that's what our government and our press and, and, and at typical Californians think about it. But I have lots of customers that really want to get involved, but it's so convoluted and goofy. The laws are intended to be confusing. They just don't want to do it. And they don't, they don't, they just don't want to become illegal because they want to shoot a rifle. So um, I've put together a class and, uh, and I'm a, I'm a, a Colt certified AR 15 armor and, uh, I have uh, put together this class where I tell you, Rob, hey, you, you, my typical Californian, you want to own an AR-15. You come to this class, you pay X number of dollars, and I'll provide all the parts for your rifle. And then over four hours, I'll sit over your shoulder. We'll put it together. I'll make sure you put the detents in the right direction and so on and so forth. And, and you can build your own AR-15 with your own little hands uh, under the supervision of a, of a certified armor. And then we're an FFL. And then we just say, okay, um, you know, California has its, it's another one of its uh, laws is the 10 day waiting period. You give me your rifle back. I register it for you. And then uh, 10 days later, I give you your California legal rifle. 
and it sounds like, oh, well, you, you know, most of your most of your listeners are saying, well, that's no big deal. But let me just give you just a couple of seconds of what a what a California legal AR-15 is and how convoluted it is. So the barrel can has to be 16 inches or more. The total length has to be 34 inches or more. It can't have a flash suppressor. It can have a compensator, but it can't have a flash suppressor. Um, it can't have a downward facing forward grip. It can't um, have a prominent pistol grip and um, it can't have an adjustable stock. If you have any one of those things, then you have to build an AR where the magazine can't be removed from the lower until you separate the upper from the lower, if that makes sense. Um, so people don't want that. They, they want to have the removable magazines. And so they have to, they have to, all those things I just told you, that's what they have to have. Well, that's just so hard to figure out. And the average person goes, I don't know what all that means. I just want an AR. I just want to shoot it and make it go bang. And they don't know how to do it. So we, we actually put together a class that says, we'll, we'll provide the parts. We'll help you with the education and we'll give you a, we'll, when you're done, you'll, you'll own a California legal AR 15 um, that's registered with the government and that uh, you put together with your own little hands. Yeah, the thing that strikes me when you talk about no supp flash suppressor and the uh, non-movable stock and different things like that is uh, that's definitely not what I would consider a modern uh, sporting rifle these days um, have all those features to make it much more comfortable to shoot much more effective um, and what, whatever you're going to be using it for. Yeah. In, in the California codes, they call them offending features um, that the rifle must ha not have offending features. Um, uh, uh, those of us in the California gun community just call them scary features. Those are the things that make the rifle scary. Yeah. But I've got my Remington 700 uh, rifle uh, and 300 wind mag, and that's not scary, right? Well, I, uh, I, <laughs> I picked up a, I picked up a 250 pound pig, uh, this spring here in California. And I'm pretty sure if you asked him, he would say that my, the rifle I shot him with was a lot more scary than my five, five, six. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I'll tell you, uh, one last question for you, and maybe you can help enlighten me on this a little bit, not being from, uh, California, but how does the gun, uh, listing, uh, work in california when it comes to the different models of uh, firearms and things like that that you can buy in high how you know is there are there any ways of getting around that or are you just stuck with uh getting glock threes until uh whenever california changes it because glock gen gen fours and gen fives are not on the list yeah so that's another this is another law that's specifically intended to confuse and bamboozle uh, gun owners or potential gun owners to walk away from the process. Um, a, a dozen years or so, uh, California created the, the, the California safe handgun roster. And what was defined as a, as a safe handgun was that if, um, if a Glock, as an example, wanted to be listed in the California safe handgun roster, they had to give one version of every model of their gun. So, not just the Glock 19, the Glock 17, the, you know, the Glock 21, but every color of that, that Glock, right. Had to be given to the state of California to be drop tested and to be certified. And, and it had to, had to pass certain safety 
requirements and uh, what it, most manufacturers said, nah, we're not doing that. We're not going to play that game. That's silly. It's too expensive. Um, but then you had other companies like Lock, like Smith & Wesson, like SIG, you know, the, the, the big companies that say, yeah, we want to continue to provide guns to Californians. So we're going to continue to, to reproduce all these guns for Californians that are 12 years old that people who are, you know, in other states don't even, even remember when they existed, right? And you know, the, the other guns are unsafe and they can't be on our roster. So we'll just have the safe roster. So the safe roster is a list of 818 handguns, um, most of which are about 12 years old or older. As an example, like you said, I can own um, my daily carry is a Glock 19 Gen 3, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't I have a Glock 19 Gen 5? Because it's not legal in the state of California. Why? Because California has deemed that it's not as safe as the Gen 3. It's it's nonsense. And so the average Californian, 99.9% .9 of the Californians buy their handguns off of the off of from dealers off guns that are legal on the roster, 818 handguns. And you can get handguns off of the roster if you buy them third party. So if Rob puts uh, um, his um, Glock 19 Gen 5 on gunbroker.com and um, and and he knows that a Californian is buying it, it's now all of a sudden uh, it's no longer a $600 gun it's a $2,000 gun and so we can get them and we can get them, we're just going to pay for them um, and then also my, my adult daughter who lives out of California um, if she buys a gun and she says, hey, dad, I don't want this gun. Do you want to buy this gun from me? Yes. So now I can have a Sig Sauer P365XL. I can even put it on my CCW list. I can own it legally. But what I can't do is say, sweetheart, daddy wants a Sig Sauer P365XL. Here's the money. Go buy it. That's a straw purchase. So I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So it's goofy as all get out. And cops can, cops can buy whatever they want. So a cop can buy a gun. Um, and he can have a P365XL shipped into California, and he can have that. And then he can decide, eh, I don't want this gun anymore. And he goes and he sells it. And, uh, or three again, times the retail. Or three times the retail, right? So <laughs> so, so Mike can have one. It just cost him three, three times. So you guys enjoy those cheap guns out there in the other states. And, and so when it comes to – that's handguns. When it comes to um, pistols – I'm sorry, when it comes to long guns – uh, shotguns and rifles outside of the scary black guns. Um, there's pretty much not any limits except for magazine capacity. So your, your tubes and your shotguns have to have a magazine capacity on them. Uh, and if you're talking about a bolt action rifle, you can have anything you want. If you want a pump action shotgun, anything you want. Um, so long guns are pretty much almost wide open not quite but almost wide open handguns are the big the big hard ones to get understand that's convoluted to say the least say yeah the least. It's, yeah it no, no to be honest rob nobody understands it it's fine <laughs> let me ask you this because uh we're kind of on a roll of understanding uh understanding california how's their new uh, ammunition limits going to where you're not allowed buying them from out of state buying the ammunition from out of state you can only buy so much per month and you gotta have a background check those types of things how is that working 
or not working? Uh, <laughs> how is it, how is it working? <laughs> so when uh, when I go to my local gun dealer to buy a box of nine uh, target rounds, whatever, nothing special, um, he has to run a background check um, on on my ammunition, and it gets listed that Mike bought a box of nine um, on that day. Right. And so I pay a couple extra dollars for every, every box I, every box I order. Um, you can purchase out of state, but it, ha- it cannot be shipped to your house. It has to be shipped to an FFL. Now, most FFLs, we don't do this because we, 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 we want our customers to have rounds. Most FFLs charge you like an extra 50 or a hundred bucks to, to, to process that transfer. We tell our customers if you want to transfer it in, we'll do. We won't charge you anything that the state doesn't charge us, and we just want you to to, to buy rounds. Um, so you can get rounds that way. You also you mentioned out of state. Um, if uh, if I'm traveling to Arizona or Nevada or Oregon uh, or Utah, which I do frequently, uh, if I purchase a box of ammunition in Arizona and I bring it across the border, uh, I've commis- committed a misdemeanor. And uh, can be can be charged for that. Interesting. So yeah. if you go outside the state and buy um, buy your ammunition. You've got to use it up there so you don't bring it back. Yep. Yep. That's right. Ho- ho- hopefully you you can accurately guesstimate how much ammo you need for different things. Yeah. Yeah. And and we've got all the things that 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 folks probably know about. We've got the ten day waiting period. You buy a gun, you don't get it for ten days. We also have a newer one that's um, one gun every 30 days. You can only buy one every 30 days. So most gun owners, most gun nuts like me, you have like marked on your calendar 30 day anniversary um, so that you know <laughs> when you can buy the next gun. Um, you can't have your large capacity magazines and you can't have silencers. That's one a lot of folks don't know about. You can't have them at all in California. It sounds awful, right? It sounds like why, why bother um, but the reality is, is most of the garbage that starts here in California goes over to your states and they get watered down a little bit. But if we can stop a lot of this nonsense here, then, uh, then, then it's good. If we can increase, um, uh, the awareness to the average Californian that guns aren't scary and evil, mean and nasty, then, then, um, then we can get the average politician to look at some of this and say that maybe it's not as offensive as, as we're thinking at the same time we have um we have some really neat stuff happening we you may have heard of uh judge roger benitez we call him saint benitez here um he's a united states uh district judge of southern california he was a george w bush appointee um he battles the the evil ninth circuit court of appeals on a regular basis um, and he he is very pro Second Amendment, and he is the he is the one that challenges all of these. Or he's the one that hears all the cases that um, challenge all of these um, just ridiculous laws. And in the same vein, we have um, some of those organizations that I mentioned before: um, San Diego County Gun Owners, Inland Empire Gun Owners, and Gun Owners of California. It, it's it is a full time job battling a lot of this nonsense. It's not just at the state level, but it's at the municipal level. Last year, the city of San Jose said that to own a gun, you had to own liability insurance, right? And uh, of course, what what insure, what insurance company is going to want to issue liability insurance for a handgun? 
Um, so we have nonsense that's happening on a regular basis and, and it's kind of a full-time battle uh, and, and instructors and firearms dealers, uh, gun shops, and uh, people that are involved in the industry, especially in California, have to know a lot of this stuff that's going on and be conversant in it because you need to know if, you know, on Wednesday, your client is not a criminal, but on Thursday, they are, you know, the, a new law passed that turned them into a criminal and you need to be able to educate folks on that. It's really important. Yeah, that's... um that's that's some crazy stuff. I uh, I've got a new appreciation for living in the uh, state of Ohio with a uh, lot less of those restrictions. Um, you know, we still have our challenges with our politicians, but at the same time, um, at least they're not overreaching and infringing upon my rights. Well, hey, Mike, um, getting down to that point of the podcast, where can you recommend uh, an annual event or something that our instructors should go and check out? that would um, help them in their educational journey? Yeah, Rob, if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to deviate from your theme just a tiny bit um, to stick right with ahead. kind of the theme of good to stick. I want to stick with the theme of this podcast. Um, I know this sounds the, the concept of the crazy Californians are having, you know, gosh, why don't you guys just move out of California? We're fighting behind enemy lions. Right. And so we're, you guys should be lucky. We're not just, packing up and leaving and, and, uh, and, and we're going to fight the fight in here in California. Um, but you guys need to know about what's going on as well. It's probably not as imperative or as urgent that, that um, firearms instructors in Ohio and South Dakota and Montana and, and normal parts of the country um, be as conversant on this stuff as we are. But I think you all do need to be. So, so uh, if I deviate a little bit from your, your homework assignment is, um, not so much an annual conference, but there's two um, two regular events that your listeners can get online right now and sign up for right now. Um, one is Andrew Branca's um, Law of Self-Defense, um, and it's his core class, and he also offers a state supplement. And, and let me tell you guys, I, I, my background is, you know, I have an undergrad in political science, and, and I worked in the state senate in California for 12 years. And and this is hard. I, I, I it, just you, uh, you and me amongst friends here, Rob. Um, no one else is going to listen to this, right? The right. first time, I, the first time I took his class, the first time I took his class, I flunked the, I flunked the exam. Um, I'm a firearms instructor with a background in politics, and I flunked Andrew Barenka's exam. I passed it the second time, but it is a lot of good information, and it'll he'll provide you with. Um, a supplement for your state specifically that'll help you understand the laws in your state and then the concepts of self-defense from a legal perspective. And I think we all need to, firearms instructors need to be conversant in those issues. And then number two would be um, the USCCA's legal seminars. They put these on um, regularly. If you get on, if you get in Google right now and you type in USCCA legal seminar, um, you'll see that USCCA has half a dozen of these things currently listed. And they go around state by state and they go to different parts of different states and they charge you about 10 bucks and you go and you sit for two hours and you listen to a quality local to a attorney giving you legal advice on mostly self-defense issues, but gun issues in your region. Um, and it is just invaluable. It is just, I've never, 
I've never received so much good stuff from 10 bucks in my life. Um, so those two things I, I would really recommend to your, to your listeners, the firearms instructors, um, Andrew Branca's uh, law of self-defense core class, plus, plus the state supplement, plus the USCCA's legal seminars, um, both really good, uh, uh, uh things you, you, we're not, you and I are not, uh, attorneys and we, we don't play them on TV, but it, we have to be a little conversant about the legal aspects of stuff for our clients. Mm-hmm, definitely. And one of the things where I think both those uh, recommendations really help out the instructor is understanding the nuances of the law about things, just like you went along and talked about uh, how to properly transport uh, firearms and how most people don't understand it. Most of the time they don't understand it because they don't understand the nuances behind it and that's where right. people can get into a lot of issues by it and you know quite honestly i try to step in and take a little i uh, wouldn't call it even a, ref- a legal refresher course but uh, step into those legal uh, seminars with andrew and other uh, lawyers because it's good to know and understand and if you can say yes i knew that yes i knew that i'll bet you within that first hour you're going to say oh i didn't really think about how it's played out under the new law or how, you know, recent court cases may have, um, you know, changed what the recommendations are coming from the top, uh, legal minds in the United States on self-defense. Yeah. And sometimes that stuff is just going to make guys like you and I know just enough to say, Hey student, I'm afraid to answer that question. So here's the the phone number and name of a of a good 2A attorney in our community and and if if that's even if that's where you the knowledge that you walk away from, that's better than what we got right now because a lot of a lot of our peers are just kind of saying, "I, I don't know, you know, that's 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 not my thing. Just load up your weapon, let's go to the let's go to the line." Mhm. Definitely. Well, hey, Mike, um, appreciate your time tonight. But before we get off, can you give our uh, listeners where they can maybe find you if they're interested in building their own AR or if they know somebody who's in the California area that might need some training? Yeah. And uh, for my fellow instructors out there, um, nothing is new under the sun. Um, if you if there's any anything that you see on our website that I'm about to give you or in our social media that that you want to beg, borrow and steal from, uh, feel free. And and uh, we want I, I want you guys, I, I, like I say to all of my students, I, I want all my neighbors to be well armed and well trained. And I want all my instructor buddies out there to to if you, if you see something um, on our website, um, take a look at it and steal it and do what you want with it uh, or tweak it and call it your own. Um, uh, our website is the-ppa.com. That's the-ppa.com. And we also have a, a pretty big uh, social media presence on Instagram, uh, Personal Protection Academy, uh, and on Facebook, also Personal Protection Academy. Uh, you d- can do a Google search and, and uh, uh, for Personal Protection Academy, and you'll find us all over the place. And uh, if we can do anything to help um, our brothers and sisters out there, we'd love to do it. Super. Well, definitely appreciate you coming on the show today. Been uh, very educational to hear how things have uh, gotten better in some cases in California and things that still need to change in California to make it a little bit more uh, gun friendly. But in, we keep talking about it and keep having good people uh, working on it. I'm sure we'll continue making headway and uh, slow the progress of, uh, you know, laws taking away our rights and our ability to uh, defend ourselves and our and our families 
Yeah, Rob, we're we're going to keep fighting here in California and you keep fighting where you are. And I just want to thank you. We're big fans of uh, Firearm Trainers Podcast and appreciate all the work you do. Thank you, Mike. Have a good, good night. Okay, take care. That's a wrap for this episode. And I hope you will share it with your friends. Do you have a topic you'd like me to talk about? Know somebody I should interview? Have a topic that you would like me to talk to you about? Email me your suggestions at FTP at concealedcarry.com. You can also leave us comments on our Facebook page or our website at firemtrainerpodcast.com. On our website, you can also listen to previous episodes of our podcast and search for different topics. I also want to ask you to leave us a review on Google Play or iTunes or wherever you listen to us at. These ratings help people find us and they can see that you find this, our content valuable. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Establishing your business was your first steps. Your next step should be getting FTA coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast support and industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.